the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Well, the theme of my talk tonight links nicely to my previous one three weeks ago. Our previous series, Distinctives, explored the ways in which people of God are called to be different from the culture, values and beliefs of those we live amongst. Using 1 Peter 1 verses 1 and 17, I reminded us that God's people in the 21st century in Exeter, just like their first century brothers and sisters, are also aliens, foreigners and exiles to the culture, values and beliefs around us. Now our current Lent series builds on this call to be different by exploring how we can maintain this difference, how we can confidently hold on to our identity in Christ when we're surrounded by people who think and act differently to us. Now I'm not particularly into sport, but I have watched Exeter City play once, when the team I follow, Southampton, played Exeter in the FA Cup about 10 years ago. Now a friend, knowing that I followed Southampton, suggested we went, so we turned up on the night, paid our money and sat in amongst the Exeter fans. I wore no Southampton colours and spent the next 90 minutes amongst very passionate Exeter supporters. People roaring their team on and occasionally putting my team down with a creative use of colourful language. Every time the crowd around me cheered because Exeter had the ball and were moving towards the Southampton goal, I felt the opposite. Every time a Southampton player lost the ball, made a mistake, or a refereeing decision went against Southampton, they cheered. It was certainly a weird experience. I felt isolated, alone and detached from those around me. My outlook on life, my hopes and desires simply did not match those of the people around me. I certainly didn't feel I could cheer Southampton when they won. Sorry about that, Exeter. Although this example is in many ways rather trivial, being different can have a serious impact on minority groups, particularly if their values and behaviours are not respected or seen as acceptable. Well, I don't know what your life is like for each of you as you work, rest and play in and around Exeter. If you're followers of Jesus, how do the people you do life with react to you being different from them? In many ways, progress has been made by society in terms of combating sexism and racism. There is more willingness to challenge prejudice and discrimination against minority groups. But I still don't think society in general has worked out how to relate to those whose religious beliefs and values differ from the majority view. It can be tough when you're trying to swim against the cultural tide. Especially if you're the only one in the office, the classroom, your home, sports team, etc. who is a disciple of Jesus. Well, if you are a follower of Jesus, why not take a few moments to think how in the past people have reacted? When your identity in Christ has caused you to stand out as different, whether through what you said or did, or by what you did not say or do. Occasionally, some people can be actively hostile to those who hold different views, being intolerant to your view. Others may be less overtly hostile, but still challenge your beliefs and behaviours, trying to get you perhaps to justify why you believe what you believe, or to show you why you are wrong. 
Others may exclude you or socially isolate you. Well, to be honest, I've not particularly experienced overt uh, hostility, but simply being different can, at times, take its toll and potentially undermine your own values and beliefs. So today we're exploring a second way we can maintain confidence in our identity as the people of God, as we swim against the tide of contemporary culture. How spending time with fellow Christians can strengthen our confidence. Hence tonight's title, Confidence Through Community. Now the passage we're going to use to launch our exploration in this area is Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through to 25. I chose this passage rather than the one Nick asked me, not simply because I don't always do what Nick tells me to do, but because we're taking communion later in the service. And I believe this passage helpfully links our theme tonight and communion together. So let me read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through to 25 to you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, look at the first half of verse 25 with me. It suggests that some in the community did not feel it was important for the people of God to meet together. The preacher of Hebrews, because the book of Hebrews is actually one long sermon, tells their audience to not give up meeting together as some are clearly doing. Now, we're not told why some Christians here had decided not to meet with the rest of their community of faith. We, of course, can speculate. Perhaps they didn't want to draw attention to their difference from those around them. Perhaps it was pressure from family or friends or the draw of the Jewish synagogue to pull them back into that community. Or maybe it was a delay or a lack of the return of Jesus that they'd, they were followers and expecting to do. We just don't know. But whatever the reason the preacher clearly thinks it will have a negative impact on the spiritual life of those people. The end of verse 25 reminds the church community then and also us today that an important reason for meeting up is so that we can encourage each other in our walk with God. Let me read the whole of 25 again. Not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This theme of encouragement is also found in Paul's writings. For example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. After having met together, the people of God should leave any gathering encouraged, built up and so confident about who they are in Christ. I wonder 
if that is your experience of meetings and times of gathering together here at Belmont. If not, then as a community of God's people in Exeter, we need to work out why not. Our Hebrews passage leading up to verse 25 help, helpfully explains two areas of the Christian life that should be strengthened through meeting up. In verse 23, we have our knowledge about God and his creation. And in verse 24, we have our actions for God within his creation. So let's explore these two areas briefly. Look at verse 23 with me. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 23 follows on from a long section going back even before the start of chapter 10, where the preacher describes what God the Father through God the Son has done for us. When we meet together, we should regularly, continually remind each other of God's faithfulness to his plans and promises for his creation. That God has been, is and will be faithful to the covenant promises he has made to his people. Even when people turn away from him, God remains faithful to his promises. And both the Old and the New Testaments remind us of God's continual faithfulness to his creation. We can also remind each other about how God has met with Christians down through the centuries and walked with them through their mountaintop and valley experiences of life. And when we meet, we also have the opportunity to hear about each other's journeys of faith, hear about how God has been and is currently faithful in each other's lives, how God has met us in our different life circumstances and sustained us through them. I wonder if we do that enough at Belmont, if there are regular encouragements to testify to each other, to encourage each other, to build the confidence up in each other. Hearing about the lives of others can give us more confidence that God is with us through any struggles and downs we may be presently experiencing as we live as exiles, strangers and aliens in Exeter. So I wonder when you last told someone a part of your faith journey or whose faith journey has encouraged your own walk with God recently. I certainly find it encouraging to hear how God is at work in the lives of other people. So why not think about it? Who could you encourage this week by sharing part of your own journey of faith with them, how God has been faithful in your own life recently? Verse 23 also reminds us of the future hope we have in Christ. Hope which can encourage us and hold us in the face of so much suffering, greed, pain and death in the world around us through television and any other form of media. We're bombarded with negativity. Remember verse 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. How would you describe what God's promise about the future life looks like? Romans 8, part of which Nick led us through last week, tells us that God the Father sent God the Son into the world and has poured out God the Holy Spirit. Why? In order to overcome our failure and alienation and to heal our relationships with God, one another and creation. 
while we can experience aspects of this healing now, one day we will experience it in full. Revelation chapters 21 and 22 describe what the future will be like when Jesus returns to reign as king over creation, when God's kingdom comes in full. My favourite summary of what this future will one day look like is from Stanley Grenz. This is what he says. Salvation climaxes in the eschatological, which is just a big posh word for future. So salvation climaxes in the future establishment of a reconciled humankind living in a renewed creation and enjoying fellowship with the triune God. Grenz is emphasising reconciliation, renewal and fellowship, all as aspects of the kingdom of God that one day we will experience fully. When we come together, and especially when we celebrate communion, we are reminding ourselves and proclaiming the truth that no matter what life looks like today, no matter what we're experiencing day by day, we can have confidence for the future because of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. So are we good as a community of faith at encouraging each other whenever we meet? Encouraging each other about how faithful God is and the future hope we have in Christ. Let's pause now and think of at least one person who we could do this to this coming week, whether face to face or through technology. Verse 24 moves on from understanding the activity of God to reminding us of our role as the people of God within God's plans for his creation. This is what it says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. When I spoke three weeks ago introducing the distinctives of Christian ethics, I summarised Christian ethics as loving God and loving our neighbours. Here in Hebrews, the preacher reminds us again of the link between love and action. Love should motivate our actions, guide how we behave towards others. As God loved and gave his son for us, we're called to respond, modelling his love of us in the way we relate to others. But acting, of course, in love can be hard at times. It can be tough. It's hard because we can be hurt by others. Our loving actions can be misunderstood, our motives questioned, and the consequences not what we expected. The people we're called to love may also have hurt us in the past, making us feel vulnerable. So loving others, especially in this situation, may not come naturally to us. When I spoke three weeks ago, we looked at Galatians 5 verse 13, where Paul said to the community of this young Christians. This is the contemporary English version. My friends, you were chosen to be free, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do anything you want. Use it as an opportunity to serve each other with love. The passage was a challenge to that Christian community and to us today to not follow our natural desires and passions which are self-seeking. Instead, we're called to be other-seeking. Our passage in Hebrews tonight reminds us that we all need to, that encouragement and the example of others to help us persevere with loving others. So as we draw to a close, let us take some time to focus 
on how we do community here at Belmont? What are the opportunities we have to encourage and spur each other on in both knowledge and action? Opportunities to be encouraged about God's love for us and encouragement to keep loving others. These opportunities range in scale from our morning service through to the one-to-ones, perhaps over a coffee in town, from a gathering of perhaps 350 adults and children to a gathering of two. The Sunday service is planned and structured. A one-to-one during tea and coffee after the service is more organic and free-flowing. The Sunday service is often a monologue. A one-to-one is more often a dialogue. So in between the 350 and the one-to-one, there are a range of opportunities to meet and encourage each other. Can you think of at least five opportunities Belmont provides to help us do life together? Let's call them out. Let's see if I can write a list of them. From all those opportunities available to you, which ones do you take advantage of? Which opportunities perhaps you find the most helpful for holding on to your identity in Christ? Build your confidence for when you're surrounded by people who think and act differently to you most of the week. Now all of us here have different personalities and spiritualities, so we may naturally find we prefer certain opportunities over others. As I'm an introvert, I find big, loud gatherings can be tiring and sometimes overwhelming. I value the time to chat with a small number of people. Personally, I prefer to dive deeply into a topic rather than skirt around the edges. But I recognise that others are very different from that. So sometimes I gather with others to receive and at other times I gather with others to give. On my journey of faith, there have been seasons also when I felt so worn down by the world that I've had little to offer. Now during those times, I've benefited from others encouraging me and walking through life alongside me. Have you had those times yourself? Can you think of those people that you would trust to walk with you closely through difficult times? Perhaps you have somebody with you at the moment doing that. Then when I felt refreshed or strong enough, I've been able to walk with others through their dark times. Again, think, perhaps there's been times when you've been able to walk with others. So may I encourage us all to be open to receiving and giving from each other as we journey through life together, through a broken, damaged and distorted creation where there's far too much pain and suffering. Now, many of us will find we spend much of our time this coming week swimming against the tide of popular culture. If you were at the last church meeting on Wednesday, then you would have heard Alison and Laura talking about resilient discipleship. As we meet together, study God's word together, pray together, tell each other about our own spiritual journeys, serve and receive from each other, we will grow into resilient disciples, confident disciples of Jesus. Now we're all at different stages and phases of life. For some of us attending meetings is easy, for others of us because of lived experience, it's tough at times to get to meetings. I'm certainly not saying 
that you have to attend every meeting. But clearly, the community benefits when people come together. We benefit when we encounter other people. So in the week ahead, why not plan when and where that you're going to gain confidence by sharing, by receiving from others, others in the people of God here at Belmont Church.